All right, welcome back to the Red Zone Power Play Podcast. This is our third episode. We're going to uh, start off with some hockey news, get into football, uh, but let's go with some intros. We got a third guy this week. Uh, for starters, I'm Zach. I'm Eve. And I'm Dante. We're going to start out. Uh, last episode, we were recording in the middle of Game 6, Tampa and Dallas, and uh, well, Tampa pulled it out, kind of the way it looked, you know, 2-0 at the end of the first. Um, it was the way it was going to go. Uh, Stamkos finally gets that cup. He and Hedman both. Um, Dante, what are your thoughts? I mean, I, I, you know, think of Tampa. They've been such a good team for, I don't know, however, five, six, going back to the 15 final where they drew a lot of comparisons to the young Penguins team back in 08 and 09. So, um, you know, just glad to see those guys finally get rewarded for a dominant stretch, especially coming back last season from the, the sweep of Columbus and then getting their revenge this year, beating Columbus in the playoffs, the five overtime game, absolutely insane. And then just, you know, taking it all the way, eventually beating Dallas and just getting rewarded. I'm happy for guys like Stamkos, you know, Hedman, absolute unit. Uh, Braden Point played a huge point or, uh, you know, like a huge role in that series. I think he might have been the catalyst that they were missing in the prior years, you know, when they had Drew and Tyler Johnson played a bigger role, but, you know, just happy for those guys. Glad to see them get rewarded. And, you know, they they, they played a worthy opponent in Dallas. You know, I, I didn't think Dallas would go far at the start of this playoffs, but I know they really earned my respect and respect of a lot of the other, a lot of other people, you know, fans, teams. So you know, just happy to see Tampa Bay get rewarded in the end. I wouldn't be surprised to see Dallas back uh, in the next couple of years. I mean, they got... You know, they're 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 aging a little bit, you know, between Radulov, Ben, you know, Bishop, who knows where he's gonna be, or even uh Hudobin, but um, you know, Sagan's twenty seven, twenty eight, you know, you got uh Gurianov and Hintz and Haskin and Klingberg. I mean, these aren't some uh these aren't, you know, old veterans. They're pretty young guys coming into their own and um they're a team that could really make a run, you know, back to the final and boy, I'd love to see uh you know, Sagan get that cup. Big fan of of, uh, of Sags there, but um, more than anything, to see him get something after everybody criticized, you know, the deal to send him to Dallas. That's got to be one of the most lopsided deals of recent memory that I can think of. That Sagan deal, absolute robbery. It was a joke. I mean, you, how do you send your your what second overall pick? Is that what he was second? Yep, he was uh, second after Taylor Hall in 2010, I think. Yeah, you sent a second overall pick for some guys that barely stayed in the NHL after another 25 games. I mean, that's ridiculous, but. Um, it was all an attitude thing, and I think he's really cleaned it up. It's really helped that team. Um, so we're going to get into the top ten of this draft that actually just happened today. Um, you know, we're kind of at uh, we're at pick twenty one right now. Um, we're going to go through the top ten. Uh, Ephraim, who went uh, first overall, the New York Rangers. Are we surprised in the result? No, I don't think we're surprised at all. I mean, I was listening to this. Uh, I was listening to this video later today, and uh, he he's like a top wing, top defensive guy. He's definitely a point scorer, so I think New York Rangers got a keeper in this one. Uh, he definitely got a guy that's just going to change the franchise. I mean, he he's the kind of guy that's going to come in and he's going to put up 60 points, you know, play like he's in his fifth, sixth season right away. Um, Dante, take us out to uh, number two. So number two, we had the L.A. Kings select center uh, Quentin Byfield. I, th- I think this is just a home run pick for the Kings. 
they already have a loaded farm system. Um, his comparison from a lot of people around the league has been Anze Kopitar, funny enough. Um, so you're going to have a one-two punch eventually of Kopitar, Byfield. Also, don't forget about last year's first rounder, Alex Turkett. Also have Kapari, Velarde in the system, a couple other guys. Um, I, I just have nothing else to say other than I think this is a home run for the Kings, and they're definitely going to be a, a young team to look out for in the next couple of years here. Yeah, I couldn't have said it any better. Um, just to sum up, three, four, and five. Uh, the third pick being Stutzla to the uh, Ottawa Senators. I mean, everybody knew that the top three would be Lafreniere, Byfield, and Stutzla. Um, two and three were kind of the toss-ups. Lafreniere obviously was going to go number one. Uh, we got Lucas Raymond going number four to Detroit. That's a sneaky good pickup. You know, I, a lot of guys kind of had him below uh, some of the guys who followed in Jake Sanderson and Jamie Drysdale, but um, I think he's really going to thrive in Detroit. And uh, speaking of Sanderson and Drysdale, the defensemen going to the Senators and Ducks, respectively. Um, what are we going to see out of the two of them? Uh, Dante, what do you think the difference is in the two styles of players? So I think with Sanderson, it's more of a complete package kind of deal. Uh, Drysdale is more of the higher upside on the offensive side where, you know, with Sanderson, you're really getting a heavy two-way play, uh, more aggressively on defense, a lot of better gap control. Um, you know, I was watching Drysdale's highlight reel a couple months ago, and it's funny, you know, he kind of reminds me a lot. Whenever you're watching it, you'll see he'll kind of remind you a lot of maybe like a Kale McCarr, kind of Quinn Hughes. He'll show you kind of spurts of both of those guys. And obviously he's not on that kind of level. He probably won't reach McCarr's kind of level, but he can definitely quarterback the power play. Um, a lot of scouts, though, did sour on him towards the end of this year. And you'll notice kind of running through the film where he'll kind of try to press the issue too many times or he'll make a, a bad turnover at the wrong spot. And, you know, it, that might have been whether him just trying to do too much at one time or, you know, just, you know, trying to make a play at the CHL lower competition um but you could definitely see that in his game where he would try to press it too often or sometimes make a, a lapse in the zone or some kind of bad turnover but i think with sanderson he's the safe safer pick um he had a huge run with the united states earlier in january um he's an excellent defensively like i said and he can move the puck you'll notice that he's very similar to the kind of defenseman that the Dallas Stars have that we mentioned earlier, you know, Miro Heiskanen, uh, John Kleinberg. He can really move it laterally. He can move the puck. I think you're going to see a lot of teams, you know, kind of shift their direction towards getting defensemen that can move it out. You know, it's kind of a Mickey Mouse copy league where teams see it one way and then they'll start to go that direction as well. But I, th I think he's a little bit further developed in terms of his defensive end and just his overall game than Drysdale, but they're both going to be excellent players. I'd say at least top four floors for both of the guys yeah i absolutely agree um they're definitely going to be you know top four type defensemen uh, i'd say even within the next couple of years sanderson will probably step right into that three four role um drysdale and anaheim i mean he's got to play behind a lot of pretty solid defensemen um you know he's got like larson uh plays a similar style to drysdale now drysdale is definitely a higher flying defenseman than uh than larson but I mean, they're they're guys that they're going to compete for ice time. Um, Drysdale is going to have the upper hand, obviously, being the sixth overall pick. Uh, just makes a huge difference. Um, yeah, I, moving on, the Devils. Kind of both of them, just to just step in real quick. I think the biggest difference between the two of them is, like I said, Sanderson's more, um, I guess I would say, assertive on the defensive end than Drysdale is, whereas mm -hmm. Drysdale can create 
a ton of offense on his own. Like I, like you, you can just see it in the highlight tape. He's going to be able to come on the NHL and just create, 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 but it's, it's fixing those laughs, those, you know, those mental errors that I stated before, but I agree, I agree with you that Sanderson's probably going to be able to step right in. Oh, absolutely. Um, that also comes with being, you know, kind of that man amongst boys size wise, um, right. just to round out the top 10 so we can get, uh, Ephraim's chomping at the bit over there to talk about some NFL <laughs> news that uh, we all know some Houston football fans are very excited for. Um, but we're going to round it out here. Number seven, the Devils taking Alexander Holtz. Uh, he's a Swedish guy. He's pretty much one of the best two-way forwards that were on the board here. Um, you know, he's obviously absolutely disgusting in the offensive zone. His hands and his shot are wicked. Uh, he can move his feet, but also he does know how to cover his own end. Um, something that you definitely see in a lot of Swedish forwards playing, you know, a very low scoring uh, league. Um, he also wasn't really playing that many minutes, you know, playing in a, in a, in a men's league, um, not juniors, kind of like a lot of these guys do. Um, Buffalo at number eight took Jack Quinn, uh, easily the best pure goal scorer in the class. Um, another weapon to give uh, Eichel to hopefully get them into the playoffs. Uh, he's going to play alongside uh, Olofsson and Skinner as the uh, goal scorers on that team. Um, number nine, we got Marco Rossi going to Minnesota. Uh, it's a really good pickup. I mean, he's, uh, he's a good playmaking type center. Um, yeah, a little smaller, not a, not a huge guy, um, to play in that Western conference style. But, um, I think it's a really good pickup for Minnesota who just lost Koivu, um, and actually just traded stall away to Buffalo. Uh, he's going to step right in probably that maybe even, uh, you know, third center after maybe a year of development. I don't think he's quite ready. Um, but he's definitely going to be there within the next year, maybe two tops. Um, and that's what we're going to also see with number 10, uh, Dante and I's boy, Cole Perfetti, um, smartest player in the class, hands down. Um, people ranked his hockey IQ off the charts, uh, you know, on a 10 scale, they had about a 12. Um, he's so smart with the puck defensively responsible, um, has that 200 foot game of, you know, your Patrice Bergeron's and Sidney Crosby's, um, just really, really responsible. Um, doesn't take a whole lot of risks unless they're, you know, wide open. Um, anything stand out to you out of those last few, or are they all pretty much what we would expect in the top 10? Well, I think especially this year's class, you're going to have a lot of players that are near the bottom of the top 10 that could go in the top five of any other draft class. Um, you know, there's really no, in my opinion, no wrong pick here uh, at the bottom here with Holtz. Obviously, like you stated, you know, the first thing that stands out with him is his elite shot. It's just unreal. And, you know, he's also had experience playing professionally in Europe against men, you know, not playing in the CHL, but actually getting experience against grown bigger guys, better competition. And, you know, that, that stands out a lot for a lot of teams. A lot of teams like to target that better, um, you know, maybe more mature in his development. But, you know, I, I really love the Jack Quinn pick for Buffalo. He's a very high riser from last season. An interesting stat with him, his first season, he had 12 goals, which rose up to 52 this season, which is absolutely unreal. Wow. That, 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 that is unreal right there. <laughs> That's so, I it's mean, an absurd jump. And even with that alone, like that just shows you how much potential he still has to grow and that, you know, and then also with that, like he just has that pure goal scoring ability, which is so covered in today's NHL. And it's something that you just can't teach. So obviously he might have to grow into his frame a little bit 
and prove that he can continue his upward trajectory. But, I mean, going from 12 goals to 52 goals, I, I think he's pretty much proven he's able to do that so far. And then, you know, with Rossi, I think he's one of the you know safest picks in this draft. Um, high, heavy high scorer in the juniors. I think he had, like, what, 111, 120 points last year? Um, yeah, he was somewhere around, like, 120. He's a very good two-way player. Um, probably has one of the higher floors of anyone in this draft. I'd say his ceiling's a little bit lower than the other guys, but definitely a reliable pick. Um, like you said, he'll probably be able to step in maybe two years max, I would say. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a team either this year or next. But um, the biggest thing with him was questions is if he's peaked, you know, with his size and his skill set. But I, I don't really see that being an issue. And even if it is, like I said, his floor is so high, he could still be an effective third line center in this league someday. And then if I could just if I could just chime in here real quick and um, before, we, we get back to your point here, Dante. But I was just going to point out, uh, can we talk about the uh, Stutzel, how they announced uh, Stutzel? Real oh quick. my gosh, Alex Trebek! Oh, incredible. <laughs> yeah, how did we totally forgot to touch on it? Good. Uh, uh, yeah, I thought about right. that. I was like, wait a minute, we we forgot to talk about how they uh, announced that Stutzel pick for the Senators. I was uh, that that was crazy. That was crazy, but also hilarious at the same time. Oh yeah, no, that was I loved it. That was so cool. <laughs> I mean, instant chills. Gotta love, gotta love Alex, man. He uh, he he knocked it out of the park. I mean. Certainly a little mispronunciation on the, the Stutzla, but <laughs> it's all right. It's an easy one to mispronounce, but yeah, we'll no, that was so cool. Yeah, no, I mean, that was definitely a touching moment and something that generated chills, like you said. And, you know, we, obviously we wish him all the best. He's a fighter, man. And, you know, whether it's on Jeopardy or at the NHL draft, he's just bringing us something to smile about. So God bless him. Exactly. Exactly. He's always on his game. Uh, we'll finish up with one last NHL point. Uh, there was some news in the Pittsburgh circle yesterday uh, as Jack Johnson, the experiment, the disaster, the catastrophe is finally over. I don't care how much we pay him for the next six years. It's finally done. It's It's done. Jack Johnson is no longer a Pittsburgh Penguin. There was a post I read that it said it about six different ways. And my favorite one was when the NHL season opens, Jack Johnson is not a Pittsburgh Penguin. So, <laughs> that, that, uh, Pittsburgh media in Twitter, on Twitter yesterday was basically going off about that, like celebrating and doing all that, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> Christmas Day, baby. Christmas Day. And for the people of Houston, take it away, Ephraim. All right, yeah, you guys ready to get into some football right here? Absolutely. All righty, now, so yeah, like Zach said, the city of Houston should be rejoicing right now as head coach Bill O'Brien and also the general manager was shockingly fired yesterday. He had an overall NFL record of 54-52. and 52. Uh, He had a postseason record of 2-4. and four. He's led the Texans to multiple division titles, and obviously six playoff appearances. So, guys, I got to ask, what was your initial reaction, and do you think it was too early or too late in, to fire him? Dante, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. Um, yeah. My initial reaction was I can't believe they did it because I didn't think they were going to. And to answer your question, in my opinion, it, it's it's too late. The, the moves that he's made in the last couple of seasons, not only that, I, I mean, I, I can't believe that they, 
mean, he's a questionable head coach to begin with, you know, with his playoff, you know, haven't really had that much success in the playoffs. And obviously, like you said, his record's hovering around like 500. So for me, it was just baffling that they were willing and able to give him not only the coaching job, but also the GM job and give him so much power within the organization when he hasn't, in my opinion, he didn't really prove that he deserved it. And then, I mean, you look at some of these moves where he's traded out, like everyone wants to talk about the Tunsil and Stills trade. So they were missing not only the first round pick last year, which turned out to be Jordan Love, by the way, not that it would matter for them, but that, that's who that pick turned out to be. It got traded to the Green Bay Packers, but they're without their first round pick this season. So they won't they potentially have a top five pick that's not even theirs. Um, I mean, Laramie Tunsil is a top 10 player in his position, but is he really worth two ones in a second? I, I, I don't know. And then he trades players like Clowney, DeAndre Hopkins, Dwayne Brown. And the return is just minimal. Like it's he like as if Clowney he's, for like a fifth round pick, dude. Like yeah, he traded Clowney. I think it was Barkevius Minga, who's not even on the roster. Yeah. Uh, I think J- Jacob Martin, I think was his name. He's still on the roster, but he's, you know, he doesn't have that big of a role on the team. And then they got a third round pick. I think that they traded for a cornerback from the Raiders who they declined his fifth year option. So they're probably going to be moving on from next year. So, see, see, I think the dumbest trade that he made was DeAndre Hopkins, without a doubt, because he's the oh, yeah. best wide receiver in the NFL. Like, why would you trade away the best wide receiver in the NFL when you obviously have a clear connection with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Hopkins? Like, those two are like a dynamic duo. So, I don't know what he was thinking with that trade. See, to me, with that trade, I think it was what one of his fatal flaws is, is that his ego gets in the way. And I think that with that trade, he's trying to say, like, you know, DeAndre, I don't need you. I'm a good coach. You know, I, I can we can survive without you. We don't need you. I, th- I think that's kind of what that's went fair. into that. Obviously, obviously, the salary demands played a role where, you know, they didn't, he wanted a raise and they necessarily didn't want to pay him with Hop or with Watkin, Watson's extension coming up soon. But to me, I think between the lines, it had to do with more of one of his fatal flaws. Like I said, it was just his bloated ego. Absolutely. The uh, city of Arizona should uh, make a tribute video to Bill O'Brien and invite him to the game for this week to uh, thank him for taking a beaten down David Johnson for uh, the best wide receiver in football. I mean, and then I think they traded one of the, well, so they got the 2022nd in that trade too, but they ended up trading one of those. So they had two at the time. So they traded one of them for Brandon Cooks, who has been virtually invisible this season. Has he like, been on the field that's truly i don't think i've heard his name in any texans game that i've watched or listened to i would would be willing to bet he has less than 10 catches this season i picked him up in fantasy this weekend he got me zero points so yeah that 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 should tell you something yeah it was zero on like three or four targets i mean randall cobb has more catches and touchdowns than brandon cooks right now it's just it's it's just baffling to me like i said that they're they were willing to give him not only the coaching job when that was questionable, but also the GM and then just let him make all of these moves. Like, uh, I, I don't, it's way too late, but I, I just don't know how you fix it either. Like you, let me, let me ask you guys this. Does this force you to think about trading someone like JJ Watt? No, I, I no. don't, I don't think anybody but Bill O'Brien would trade JJ Watt. Truthfully. I, I mean, uh, it's Romeo it, Cornell or the ownership is yeah is not going to trade away JJ Watt. He's their best defensive player. But to Zach's point, yes, like if 
if Bill O'Brien was still the general manager, uh, I'll, I'll bet you a team would trade like a, a bottle of water and a pack and a pack of Skittles for and for JJ Watt. Yeah, maybe a new face visor too for uh, for Bill O'Brien <laughs> to wear. I mean, Anti-fog I just fog spray. You know, I just ask because a, a team spends to the cap. They have no first round pick. Like I just don't know how they get any better. Well, I mean, you could definitely get a couple of years worth of first round picks for JJ Watt, even uh, if he is, you know, kind of on the other side of thirty now. But you know, it's the same thing. You know, you, you pose that question about the Steelers too. You know, with TJ Watt, if they were in that position, do you trade him? You don't. You know, even though you no, have a Dupree, you know, the Texans don't have Clowney anymore. So Watt is their pass rush. Um, I don't know. Okay, I think it was yeah, too late to fire him. No, I I think it was way too late to fire him too. They they really should have fired him after he traded away DeAndre Hopkins. There's no question he they should have fired him right on that spot, saying you traded away our bet our best offensive player. Yeah, no, sorry, dude, you're gone. I I no. No, I agree, one hundred percent. I, I would have fired him after he blew that lead to Kansas City last year. No. Yeah, that that's very true too. I forgot they had like what a twenty four point lead and they blew it. Yep, it was a. Well, I think they had like a fourth and one, and he kicked a field goal instead of going for it. And then that's whenever Kansas City just scored at the what was it like twenty one points within three minutes of the second quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was something crazy like that. Okay, wait, and then let me ask you guys this question real quick. So, Romeo Cornell is the interim head coach for the Texans at the moment. Do you think with him calling the shots? Do you think that? it could turn the season around for the Texans because they're, they're sitting at 0-4 right now. So I don't know. I think Cornell is going to rely more on like a run-first offense. That's just kind of what his calling card has been anywhere he's coached, um, but also a defensive-minded coach. Um, I don't know. I think that it's definitely going to be a shakeup that those players needed. Uh, I don't think really any of them liked playing for O'Brien, but I really don't know how much better it's going to get um, Cornell's bounced around a lot for a reason. Um, hasn't kept head coaching jobs for the very same reason. True, um, true. I just don't know what he's going to bring to that team in terms of turning it around from an 0-4 start because you, know, you can start 0-4, but truthfully to make playoffs, they'd have to go 10-2 and the rest of the way. Um, and their division, their schedule, I just don't know if it's going to happen. Um, the Colts, you know, they're still a solid team. The Jags look better than we thought they did. Um, and the Titans, I mean, they're, they're three and zero right now. So, yeah. um, speaking of the Titans, let's get into the, the COVID-19 outbreaks here. Um, the Titans had, uh, multiple players test positive four days in a row, uh, leading to the postponement of their game versus Steelers, um, moving it to week seven, pushing everything else back, uh, moving their bye week to week three from, uh, later in the season. Um, what do you guys think uh, comes of all of this, being that Cam Newton's involved uh, with the Patriots, they had to postpone that game. Um, you know, where does the NFL go from here? And you know, if, this ha- if they have to postpone and move it to another point in the season, how, how many times can you reasonably move the schedule around and change games? Well, I think you might have to uh, consider possibly getting a, a week 18 involved. I think the NFL was smart in pushing back the Steelers Titans game to later in the season because I know a lot of people were upset about that because they were like, oh, uh, look at the Patriots and Chiefs. They were pushed back to yesterday being Monday. But at the same time, like you said, that the Titans tested positive 
four straight days in a row. That's why they had to push the game back to later in the season. Whereas the Chiefs and Patriots, they they had one person from each team test positive and everybody else te- everybody else tested negative. So I thought the NFL did good there. Uh, moving forward, like I said, I think just a week 18 might have to get involved. But yeah, like I'm, I don't know what they're going to have to, I don't know what they're going to do really. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, I mean, it's a Roger mess. Goodell I mean, just dropped the uh, dropped the f bomb yesterday, as Dayan Kovacevic said. Um, yeah, did you guys read that memo? Yeah, he brought in. The, yeah, uh, yeah, I read it a little bit. The yeah. dreaded f bomb. That's the only way to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about forfeiting games because you can't control this outbreak. I mean, you're really. I mean, what if what if you get to, you know, week. 12 and you have a team that's 10 and one uh, or two 10 and one teams playing and that forfeit, you know, obviously makes 10 and two and 11 and one. And that's what decides the first and second seed uh, in either conference. Yeah. That no, that, that, at, that's just not fair. Right. You're looking at only one by week now, or one by team in the playoffs now, because you have that expanded seventh team. I mean, right. You're talking about the difference of a week to get healthy or a week to play potentially a weaker opponent or having to play an extra game, you know, like what do you do in that instance? You know, three and O and three and O is one thing, but you know, 10 and one or 11 and O and 11 and O it's, it's impossible to say. Yeah, exactly. I I just don't know what they're going to have to do because obviously the season is going to have to continue. And Roger Goodell's made it clear, like, you know, we're continuing with the season. We're, we're head on with the season right now. So they're going to have to figure something out here as the season continues. And um, I, like I'm speaking of the Titans and Steelers, I don't know if, um, I don't know if this is going to affect uh, their game for net for this upcoming weekend. The Titans I think are still questionable, but good news coming out of them is that they had the past two days, they didn't have a single positive case. So that that's good. I think they're, facility will be cleared and they will be able to get back to practice and probably play a game this weekend. But I think it affects the Titans more than it does the Steelers because the Titans haven't practiced in over a week. So, and and you're preparing for a four and O Buffalo bills team. Right. Bills team that could run them over. Exactly. (laughs) So the the Titans are for sure more impacted by this unexpected bye week than the Steelers. Uh, I think the Steelers will be just fine going in, playing the Eagles this weekend, but yeah, the Titans are just, it's a short week too, because they'll probably practice Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then I think they have to travel to Buffalo. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. No, the Buffalo comes to Tennessee, but still, I mean, either way, the Steelers were practicing all week as if they were going to be playing the game. Um, The Titans were locked out of their facilities. So, I mean, (laughs) they have essentially their whole week off without knowing if they were going to be playing us or if they were going to be playing Buffalo because they didn't get a chance right. to watch film on one team versus the other or um, prepare yeah, anyway. We, we've seen so many injuries too, like not just little injuries. Like I'm talking like major knees and ankles, just, you know, ACLs, all that stuff, just from the result of probably not having training camp or uh, well, not having a full training camp or a full preseason. Like just imagine what, you know, that could potentially lead to for teams if they do have to postpone games for weeks at a time. Like, 
how is their bodies going to react to that? How are they going to be able to, you know, keep active and make sure? Because a lot of the players I know rely on practices during the league to keep their bodies right, you know, to keep themselves up to date. And, you know, if you start, like, are they going to have to start working out at home? Like, are the, you know, like you're going to have to start getting creative with that. And I think if it does come down to where there's a huge outbreak again, where, you know, it's later in the season and it's 11 and 0 versus 10 and 1, like you guys said, I, I, I think you have no other choice but to bubble them. I mean, the, but the problem you run into is, you know, you can bubble the NBA and the, and the NHL at 25 man rosters and, and smaller. Um, even with the, you know, the black aces for the NHL puts it at you know, like 31, 32. Um, I mean, you're talking 53 man rosters per team. You know, you can certainly rent out a whole floor of of a of a hotel, you know, what, 25, 30 rooms on a floor, and then everybody in the NHL team has their own room or two guys or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you're talking, you'd be renting out, you know, seven, eight hotels in the city for seven or eight teams. I mean, you, yeah. there's so many guys, and plus all the equipment staff, the coaching staff, the the executives, the trainers – all of the equipment, I, I, I don't think it's quite feasible to bubble the NFL. Um, but the MLB did show you don't have to bubble. You can just keep pushing through. And and that sure, the, the F word never came out in the MLB. But, you know, some of these teams missed 20, you know, like 15 games and had to play 15 games in eight days. You know, they yep. just said, it's your problem, not ours. Made the, two of them ended up making the playoffs, one still playing. So yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> Well, yeah, either way, I think we'll have to deal with it. And um, the NFL is going to have to deal with it somehow. They'll figure it out. I do think that we'll have another outbreak at some point in the season, but hopefully they'll be more prepared for it. And we'll just have to wait and see. But anyway, let's get into some week four recap here. So our first matchup, uh, the Cleveland Browns and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, The Browns defeated the Cowboys 49 to 38. Uh, Baker Mayfield went 19 of 30 for 165 yards, two touchdowns. While Dak Prescott had another monster game through the air with uh, 40 completed 41 passes out of 58 attempts, 502 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. But I think the headline of this game was the Browns' rushing attack. They rushed for 307 yards against the Dal- against Dallas's defense. So. Fellas, what's wrong with Dallas? Run defense. It's pretty simple there. (laughs) Game after game, they're just they're allowing holes for running backs to run through like you you don't see in the NFL. It's almost like they're playing, you know, as a as a high school defensive line and they're just getting manhandled. They're not playing the way that they should with the some of the names they have, some of those linebackers and you know they're just they're not stopping teams. Now, I mean it sounds stupid and simple, but you know, if if they learn to play as a unit instead of trying to play for themselves, they stop with the whole, you know, aggressive tackling, you work on systematic tackling, you learn how to just you shut down the holes, you 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 know, you force outside, you force inside, whatever you have to do. Um certainly if you put too much focus into the run defense and, you know, it opens up the passing game, but um, I mean, if, if you can hold teams from running for 300 yards or 200 or 150, 
um, you're in a much better position because you're not, they're not turning over the, you know, the downs all the time. They're not getting first down after first down. Um, drives aren't extended eight, nine, 12 minutes um, to the point where you're only getting three possessions a game and Dak has to throw 75 times um, to make up for the lost time and the lost, you know, the, and the deficit. But I don't know. I think that's the biggest thing for Dallas right now is, is getting this defense straightened out. Dante, go ahead, man. Yeah, I'd kind of echo with that. I think it's a couple of things. Um, obviously, it starts with that defense, um, coaching, and then they're just not playing complementary football with each other. Like, you know, they're when you look at the Dallas Cowboys, you don't think high-scoring offense. You think, you know, with that line, with Zeke, you know, pound the ball, run the ball, play good defense, you know, take up as much clock as you can. You know, you don't think of Dak Prescott throwing for 500 yards and, you know, throwing it 60 times, like you said. Um, I, th- I think they're just playing catch up too much. You know, they're, they're putting themselves behind too, too quick, too early. So, you know, the defense comes out and they give up a touchdown on the first drive and then say the offense goes three and out. And then, you know, you're not giving the defense a break by doing that and they're not built to play that way either which confuses me so you, you know like if you have longer possessions you control the clock you know you're giving your defense a blow like obviously the defense has underperformed but i think they're just being gassed from having to be out there so early and so often and they're just not playing to the identity that you know they're really built to play by i mean to follow that real quick you know the whole passing attack, it keeps drives down to, you know, three, four, five minutes. It doesn't give a defense enough time to rest. You know, if they can get that running attack going with Zeke, like they always have, you get that eight, nine minute drive where your defense has time to rest. The offense on the other side gets cold and then you're on a more even playing field. But when you're letting Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb and uh, DeAndre uh, Johnson, is that his name? Or Dearness Johnson, sorry. Dearness, yeah. You know, run for... 300 yards even even Odell running for 52 yards for the you know the game ceiling touchdown I mean if you're letting that happen these drives are not five six minutes they're you know they're they're pushing 10 minute drives and you figure that's two-thirds of a quarter and then you're looking at you know almost half of an entire half is you know half of the game is is on you know the opposing side or more and how do you score points for one when you don't have the ball but second of all that defense is exhausted, like you said. Just wanted to kind of echo that point. I think both of you guys are right. I mean, clearly the defense is atrocious because, yeah, you've given up 307 yards uh, through the ground to the Cleveland Browns. But And then also look at their passing defense. Look at their secondary. The past couple weeks, Russell Wilson torched them. Baker Mayfield could have torched them if they would have stepped away from the running game. But then Matt Ryan torched them, and I think... Jared Goff, I think week one could have done the same thing. So, but so yeah, clearly the defense is really bad, but let's take a look at the offensive side of the ball too. Cause they're not perfect. They're turning the ball over. Zeke Elliott fumbled the ball once this past game and Dak Prescott not protecting the ball either with uh, two game ceiling interceptions in a row. And that offensive line just isn't blocking for him because they had a strip sack. So clearly uh, that offensive line, that offense is not not doing well. And yeah, when, when you're relying on Dak Prescott to throw the ball like 60 times and put up monster numbers like 502 passing yards, that's just not going to get the job done. You got to 
do what the Cleveland Browns did set like run the ball with Zeke that sets up the play action pass. Mm-hmm. It, it's just the Cowboys are so lucky that they play in the division that they play in. Otherwise they, they'd be dead in the water. I mean, you, you, you think of the Dallas Cowboys, right? They really have one for one or two formulas to win. And it's like I said, run the football and play off the play action. Dak might be able to win you one or two games because he's really talented, but it's really just, you know, based on getting that running game going. And when they don't get that running game going, you can see how, you know, how bad it can get for them. And just to throw a stat at you from last week, the the Cleveland Browns had 40 rushing attempts in that game. You know how many the Dallas Cowboys had? 18. Yeah, I would say not even 20. 18. That, that that's insane. But um let's take a look at the other side here. I mean, the Cleveland Browns, they're sitting at three and one for the first time since two thousand one. Are they for real? Well they play in uh, you know, kind of a reverse from the Cowboys, one of the best divisions in football. I mean, you look at the Cowboys, they could be leading their division if they would have won one of these games at two and two. Um, but the Browns at three and one are currently in third place in the AFC North. I mean it doesn't get any more polar opposite. You know, you got a team with all the talent in the world, all the top draft choices in the last 10 years are essentially on the Cleveland Browns. Um, I mean, they, they look good. Don't get me wrong. That rushing attack is, is pretty much unrivaled in the NFL right now. Um, you know, between Hunt and Chubb mostly. Um, they definitely have a receiving core that can get it done. It's just a matter of if Baker can do his job. But I don't know. I, I find it hard to say them as contenders after what we've seen for 10, 15 years. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's it's strange, you know, being from Pittsburgh to call the Browns a good football team, but they look good. I mean, don't get me wrong, but they still have to play, you know, the Ravens. They still have two games with the Steelers. They still have to play the Bengals, who always play them well. It's, you know, the Ohio rivalry. rivalry. That was easy for me to say. Um, you know, they got all these tough games coming up. And they still have to find a way to string wins together and stay above 500 to potentially compete for that seventh playoff spot. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm a personally, I'm a big fan of Stefanski and his scheme. Uh, last year, he was took over as the OC in Minnesota. Learned a lot from Gary Kubiak, and you know, it obviously learned a lot from there with that zone run scheme. Like, obviously, we've seen they've been a very run heavy team to start the season, but. They improved the O-line, which was a big issue last season. Uh, I believe they spent their first-round pick and then also signed Conklin in free agency. So that's been very much improved. And as we've seen, you know, they've created holes for Chubb and Hunt. And I'm curious to see how they proceed with without Chubb for a couple of weeks here, probably half the season. So that'll be interesting to see. But I, I think Kareem Hunt's going to thrive in this offense. And, you know, their defense is a little bit suspect for me still. Um, almost getting... I mean, almost letting the Cowboys come back like they did. Uh, obviously, that might be playing it a little bit too conservatively in the second half, but still, uh, it's something that you need to take a deep look at. And they've put a lot of points up. I think the Bengals put up like 30-something points on them on Thursday night. So, um, obviously, the defense is a little bit of a concern. I think they might be a threat for that extra wild card and that wild card only. Like you said, they have a lot of divisional games left, two against the Steelers, and then they got destroyed by the Ravens in week one. So I, I don't know how they come back from that in the second meeting. 
But I, th- I think the biggest thing for them right now is to just keep Odell Beckham going, keep that momentum going, find ways to just get him involved and build upon this momentum that he built last week against Dallas. I think that's the biggest thing for me, especially with Chubb out. No, I agree with you completely, Dante. What they need to do, and I think that they've they've really figured this out, is that they're a run-first team. Run the ball and then set up uh, play action for Baker to throw the ball deep to OBJ or Jarvis. But this is all I'm going to say. Browns fans, they should be happy right now. Sitting at 3-1 and one for the first time since 2001. But like you said, Dante, that defense is suspicious right now. I'm not, I don't trust it at all especially that secondary. I don't think this team can compete with the Kansas City Chiefs or the Baltimore Ravens or even the Buffalo Bills for that matter. And they still got to go up against the Steelers twice. And the Steelers have the top, have, have the best run defense in the NFL right now. And going up against probably one of the best rushing attacks in the NFL. I mean, we'll have to see here next week how that game unfolds. But right now, I I do think they can compete for that one of those two wild card spots, but th- this team is not going to be the defending Super Bowl champions or any of those other teams that I mentioned. I mean, if you think about it, if they get a wild card spot, they have to deal with potentially the Ravens, the Steelers, the Patriots, or the Chiefs. Whoever doesn't get a bye. I mean, it, if they make the playoffs, great for them, but. It's it's almost not worth making the playoffs in their position when you could get a, a nice draft pick, you know, get in that top twelve range thereabout, and then pick somebody on the defensive side of the ball to to really solidify what you had. I mean, they had all these guys that they drafted that were supposed to be, um, you know, high end safeties and corners and linebackers, but they all leave because they're tired of losing. You know, it's like the Pirates; you can't keep guys once they get too good, but then they fall off somewhere else. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think that the team needs to, uh, you know, they really either need to keep it together and and play the way that they're playing, you know, right now, like you said, keeping Odell hot and uh, sticking with the running game. But um, if they if they get away from that formula, they're they're going to struggle big time. And I, th- I think with this team specifically, the Browns, like it, it's going to be huge. like obviously their expectations coming into the season weren't Super Bowl. They maybe were division, but likely they were probably, let's just get into the playoffs somehow or be in contention for one the extra wild card spot. I think for them heading into, obviously it's not about this season. Like you said, if they play a contender, they're probably going to get destroyed. But I, th- I think the biggest thing for them is to finally maybe have that head coach, finally have that scheme that they can, you know, go to week in and week out and just have that continuality. Like, you know, just, opposed to firing the GM and the coach every two years, like maybe they finally have that stability that they've been needing for so long. Like just building upon that, I think is probably the main goal for this team this season, even though obviously every team's going to say, Oh, our goal is to win the Super Bowl." But I, I think that's bigger more than anything for them. I agree. Yeah. Like I said, just, they should be Browns fans. Be happy right now. Your team's three and one. But we'll we'll just have to wait and see what how the rest of the season goes. Definitely, um, you know. Let's let's switch over to the NFC here. Um, Seattle keeping the train rolling. Um, had a little bit of a scare this week against Miami. Um, a scare, I guess you can call it. Uh, you know, only winning by eight points. Um, 
I don't know if we should be worried about the Seahawks, you know, kind of struggling against Miami. Miami's a motivated team. Um, you know, Fitzpatrick's always out looking to give his, you know, 110%. He's always going to give you a good game. Um, you know, they do have some, some weapons there, uh, you know, mainly uh, on the running on the running back position. You know, you got Jordan Howard. He really doesn't get used. Matt Verita doesn't get used. Miles um, Gaskin's obviously the lead back there. Um, and their defense is actually playing fairly well. Um, you know, they're keeping uh, quarterbacks in check downfield, uh, forcing a lot of dump offs, a lot of under routes, um, you know, occasionally getting burnt. But um, I don't know. I think that, uh, you know, Miami's coming into their own a little bit. They're not going to contend. But uh, in, in terms of the Seahawks, I wouldn't worry too much um, moving forward. Go ahead, Dante. No, yeah, I'm right with you, Zach. Um, especially with the way that Russell Wilson's playing right now, the kind of level that he's playing at right now. I know you're happy since you have him on your fantasy team in our league, but um, absolutely, he's just he's just so hard to bet against right now. But I mean, Actually, I have Russell Wilson. I just like to point that out. I have Russell Wilson. Oh man, uh, so no, I'm the only one missing league. out. The only one missing out right now. <laughs> oh, okay, my, my bad, my bad. <laughs> the league that all three of us are in, I have Russell Wilson. I <laughs> well, I got Dak, so I'm not I'm not too upset there. But um, yeah, I, it, it's just hard to to bet against him right now. Or I mean, that goes for anybody when you have a quarterback, especially in this league, playing at that kind of level. The defense kind of scares me a little bit. I think um, I, I think they can be exploited by a good team, but you know. The offensive line also kind of gives me worries. I think I was watching the Cowboys game, and Russell was just under duress for a lot of that part of that game against the the Cowboys defensive line, which we've kind of chewed out a little bit here today. But um, I'm right with you with the Miami point too. Like you know, going back to last year too, a lot of teams and you know people around the league expected that team to finish last and thought that they were tanking, kind of like the Jags this year. But but they play hard, man. Like it, they might not be the most talented and have the best players, but that team is going to go out there, like you said, and just give their best effort every week. And that's respectable. I know they're earning a lot of respect around the league. So I, I wouldn't worry about that at all. They're a very formidable opponent. Yeah. Like I'm not worried too much about Russell Wilson or that offense. Cause we, we all know what that, that offense is capable of. Russell Wilson is having an MVP season, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson, all those guys, they're having great years so far great games so far but um yeah well i i'm i am a little worried about the defense just because i don't know if they can go up against an aaron Rodgers who's also having a good good season and and win that game i think russell wilson could bail them out but right now just the way aaron Rodgers is playing he's i i I can see seattle's defense struggling against him that game being close or um or, or or even the uh, Los Angeles Rams too, or just anybody in, in their division right now. Their their division is pretty good. So like, yeah. No, I mean, that pass that pass defense is ranked thirty second in the league right now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think they I think the Seahawks really missed Jamal Adams this past Sunday. Agreed. One for coverage reasons, but two for. He, he was like their lead blitzer. He's like their lead pass rusher right now. And that's uncommon for a safety. He's heart and soul guy too. I mean, they brought him in to bring that, that swagger, that, that attitude, you know, I hate to use the cliche, but he's a locker room guy. I mean, he might have his attitude problem, but 
you know, the guy brings a lot to a team and he's a difference maker. Absolutely. I am right with you there. Anyway, let's move on to the uh, Buccaneers and the Chargers. The Bucks escaped the Chargers uh, this past Sunday. I think the final score was 38-31. Brady struggled a little bit in the first half, but got it going there in the second half. But Justin Herbert looked really good. But let's focus here on the Bucks real quick. So after that win, the Bucks are sitting at 3-1. and one. Are they the favorites to win the NFC South now? I'm not sold. I'm not sold. <laughs> I, I find it hard to really get on that board with Brady um, in Tampa. Sure, people have been trying to write his obituary for like five years, but he keeps shutting it down, and uh, you know it's hard to bet against him. But I really think you know Drew Brees is going to figure it out. Um, he kind of showed that this week. I think that the Bucks are still going to finish second in that division, um, and they're going to get a playoff spot. But I don't know. I don't think that they're going to win the NFC South. I can't. I can't buy that. I, I'm going to kind of echo what you're saying, but at the, if I, if you had to ask me right now if they're the favorite, I, I think I would say yes. Um, but but the same breath, I wouldn't count out the Saints. And then obviously, I mean, even the Panthers. And I mean, I'm not saying they're going to win the division, but they're a competitive two and two ball club. Got that really young defense. They spent all their draft picks on the defense this year, um, and they they put down a what was supposed to be coming into this year a very good and explosive Arizona. Cardinals offense I think they held them to like 220 some yards and they just maintained 40 minutes of possession of that game or something crazy like that so it's hard to bet against Tom Brady like you said so for the moment right now I'm going to say yes just because of the weapons that they have on that team I I think they're kind of getting on the same page with each other I like Bruce Arians as a coach um but, but like I said, I, I really wouldn't count out the Saints, especially as they start to get healthy here. Or even the Panthers, the sealer game or two later in the season, if they can survive, you know, keep head above water with Christian McCaffrey out. So um, as of right now, I would say probably, yes, they are the favorite to the NFC South, but I would not say that's a lock. I'm just going to... Learned... Okay, no, go ahead. I was just going to hop in with a little NHL news. Um, got Just got a breaking, uh, breaking story from a couple of sources. They just put out... Uh, Sources from the United States say Henrik Lundqvist will sign with the Capitals on Friday. They just um, they just snagged that center. What was his name? The one that had the concussion Sorry. issues. Oh man, he's, he might, he might be a really good pick for them. But yeah, Hank staying in the Metro—that's crazy. Yeah, unreal. Time to put six on him again to make uh, Caps look bad. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Ephraim. Pick up where you were. All right, yeah. So anyway, um, I learned a long time ago not to give up on Tom Brady. So I'm not giving up on Tom Brady. I do think that they are the favorites as of right now, but I agree with Dante. I, I would not give up on the Saints. I mean, if Brady can play like the way that he did on Sunday, because his stats, his stat line was uh, 30 for 46, 369 yards, five touchdowns and an interception. That interception went for a touchdown, by the way, but I think the one thing that really frightens me right now with this team is the defense mm-hmm. because um, the defense that showed up this week instead of last week when they played the Broncos just was not the same. I mean, the the they had like a touchdown, a safety, a couple picks, just a few turnovers against the Broncos, and this week they just kind of laid an egg there. So 
I do like Bruce Arians. I do like By- Byron Leftwich as the um, coaches and coordinate coaches there for, bu- for the Bucks. But defense, I just think, needs to get a little bit better for the Bucks in order to be a full-on lock for the NFC South. But yeah, I do think they are the favorites right now, but I would not give I would not count out the Saints. But um I'm going to go over to the Chargers here for a second. Justin Herbert is third straight game. He looked pretty good. So for your guys' opinion, do you think Justin Herbert won the starting job for the Chargers? I do. Um I I must say though coming right off the bat, I thought Coming into this draft, I you know I watched Herbert in college. I watched him at the Rose Bowl, and I didn't really think that much of him. So, um, it, you know, everyone was saying he's such the special athlete, blah blah blah. After especially after watching that Rose Bowl game last year, I was left unimpressed by him. And I, I thought Tua was going to be the best quarterback of the draft in the future, but I, I must say here on the record that I was absolutely wrong there. And I've been nothing but impressed with what Justin Herbert's been able to do over the last couple of weeks. There is absolutely no way. And this is not an indication or anything bad against Tyrod Taylor. But after what you've seen, especially getting this offense kickstarted, getting Keenan Allen involved more. Like, I just think the potential – Herbert make, maximizes the potential of this offense. Tyrod Taylor, for better or for worse – is probably more of a game manager relies on a good defense where, you know, the chargers are really kind of hurting injury wise. Um, I, I think not only just because Herbert maximizes the offense, but he's also the future. I, I think he's really going to be hard to just bench him and go back to Tyron at this point. I, I think you've got to start him the rest of the way. I'm uh, I'm the exact opposite of how you felt coming into the draft. Um, I wouldn't say I thought he was the best quarterback available. Um, I mean, I pretty much knew that Joe Burrow was going to be that. Um, I don't really think too highly of Tua. Granted, he's a great quarterback, don't get me wrong. Um, Players of his style don't really last. But back to Herbert, I mean, if you look at the Rose Bowl, he ran for two or three touchdowns, and they're the first rushing touchdowns he had in college ever. Um, I don't know. He always had a big arm. Kind of that Josh Allen type would overthrow a lot of receivers, um, which always left a lot to be desired. But I don't know. I thought that him going to the Chargers was the best landing spot possible, um, being that they have a wide receiving core uh, with Allen, you know, Mike Williams downfield. Um, and I mean, their receiving core is a big time downfield uh, group. And with a guy that can throw the ball a mile, um, you know, over them hills over there, you know, Uncle Rico style. Um, yeah, I really think that, that he's going to do really well there. Um similarly to you, uh, Dante, I don't think that you can go back to Tyrod. Um, you know, unfortunate circumstance as to why he had to be benched um, or, you know, held out. Absolutely Um, brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Never want to see that for anybody, but I don't know. I think that, that, you know, everybody gets their start somehow, you know, Brady got his when Bledsoe got hurt and he never went back in, you know? Um, I don't know. Like you said, he's the future. Uh, he's got a little bit of Ben in him. He's got a little bit of Josh Allen with that arm. And I mean, he's got a little bit of that. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson in terms of uh, managing the game, he's going to grow into it, but also being mobile enough to extend plays. Yeah. And, um, and of the quarterbacks coming, like I, I thought he would be the one that was other than Jordan Love, of course, that would be the most raw, like not ready to come in and 
play right away. But like I said, he's blown away any expectations I've had of him, and I'm sure of other people too. Like it, I don't know, I've just been nothing but impressed by him. I'm, I'm not, you know, I was wrong about him, and I'm glad that I was because he's just an insane player, and wish him nothing but the best. Oh, absolutely. I think that he's getting his fair shake. And, uh, I mean, moving into next year, I think they're going to build around him, you know, build up that line a little bit, build up the defense, kind of make it a a more of a, a championship caliber team so that he has something to work with. Um, you know, I feel just like to he, put, go ahead. just to put, yeah, just to put this stat line out there for Justin Herbert, he went 20 of 25 for 290 yards, three touchdowns and in an, in an interception on Sunday. Oh yeah. I mean, so, that's, yeah. That's a veteran quarterback stat line, truthfully. I mean, he's gone toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in his first, was it the second and third games in the league? It's it's unreal. Yeah, yeah. He and he's and he balled out, man. I mean, he kept those guys in it, and he maximizes that offense to its full potential. When Eckler's in there, they're a they're a dynamic offense. Once uh, he gets a little more experience going, no. At, at this point, you really can't just go back to Tyrod Taylor out, out of the performance we've seen from Justin Herbert. You guys are right. We, we just, you just can't go back to Tyrod Taylor and no offense to Tyrod Taylor, because I do think he's a talented quarterback and I do think he's, he, he should be on an NFL roster, but I just never really trusted him throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Even when he was with the bills, I mean, he led them to a playoff berth back in like what, 2017. Yeah. But even then he still was not playing well. And when he was with the Browns too, he just wasn't playing well. That's why he. That's why they benched him for Baker Mayfield. And he's the past couple seasons he's been the backup for Philip Rivers. So I just I, I didn't really trust Tyrod Taylor being the starter this season. But at the same time, I mean, we we haven't seen Justin Herbert play yet, especially in the pre- since since there was no preseason. So at, at this point, I Herbert has to be the Chargers starter moving forward. Yeah, and then to kind of build off this, like I something I've never really understood. I mean, unless you're extremely raw, and I mean like like Jordan Love, borderline maybe first year Josh Allen level raw. Like I I don't understand if you draft a quarterback in as high as Herbert and Tua and Joe Burrow did, like why even not play him right out the gate? Like you got like I, I think you if you draft a quarterback that high, like you you got to play him right away for better or worse, and just see what you got. Like I, I feel like you have nothing to lose at that point. Yeah, I agree. I've always kind of wondered that myself. You yeah, get getting drafted like seventh, eighth overall, and it's like, I mean, you're you're a top ten pick in the NFL draft. You're clearly one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Um, I mean, you saw it a couple of years back. You know, Baker came right in. Rosen, even though that was a mistake and a <laughs> total disaster oh like man right in you know all of these guys that got drafted that year lamar you know he once flacco was done he went right in there you know they just kind of throw him into the fire and say figure it out man you know and some did you know alan lamar some didn't rosen and some are still trying to figure out who they are in baker mayfield so um I don't know. I think that that's kind of the best way to figure out what you have and as well as what you have in a coach, if the coach can work with them and the coach can uh, to bring out the potential in them. Yeah, no, I agree. Zach, I think you're getting this next segment. Okay. Um, well, we're going to, 
we're going to hop into uh, some game picks here as well as some highlights. Um, we're going to look at the previous week, lat, like the last game really, that kind of deserves a pass, um, as we said in the first episode, talking about some winless battles. But we had the Vikings and the Texans. Um, <laughs> we kind of talked about the Texans enough. It's time to stop beating up on them. <laughs> we're not we're not out here to bully anybody. They're done. <laughs> yeah, I mean their their season it, it's done. I mean they're they're gonna fall too far behind in their division, and then that seventh spot's gonna be like you know yeah moon. you're not able to get there. Um, the Vikings, you know, you could say they turn it around, but they're also playing a really really lowly struggling football team. Um, I, I, I think for I think for both of those teams. Like they're really missing their top wide receivers because Houston, DeAndre Hopkins, the Vikings, Stephon Diggs, mm-hmm. they're both balling out in different places right now. So, yeah, and pl- plus look at the Vikings in the in the division that they're in. Aaron Rodgers off to a fantastic start, and the Packers, the Bears, who aren't, I don't think are, aren't to be slept on right now, but they need to figure out their quarterback situation. And the the Lions are no scrub. They're not a playoff team, but they're no scrub. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think for the Vikings, they they had a tough five game stretcher out of the gate where they needed to at least break five hundred. I think, and I, I I don't see that happening. Um, you know, the first of their first five games, they've had to play four. They're going to have to play four playoff teams from last year. So. I mean, ideally, you want to be two and two heading into the Seattle game. I I think, but sitting at one and three, I th- I think the Seattle game turns into almost a must win for them to be able to turn around their season at this point. For points, either you know, like the division, I think Green Bay is running away with that at that point, and the NFC is just ultra competitive. So, um, they still have five divisional games left, but like I I mean, that doesn't really matter to them at this point. I think they they can never beat Chicago. The Lions are no slouch either. Um, I think the biggest thing for them, though, is just kind of their identity shift from years past. So when you think of Minnesota, most of their best players have been on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Xavier Rhodes, Everson Griffin, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, Harrison Smith, guys like that. But I think this year, kind of as they've been remaking that defense, they're going through an identity shift where their best players are now on the offensive side of the ball. Alvin Cook. Adam Thielen, uh, Justin Jefferson starting to emerge now. I, I think they're struggling to kind of grasp with that identity change that I was talking about. It, they might be able to squeak into the last wild card spot in the NFC, but I, I, I don't see it happening unless they win Sunday night in Seattle, which is no easy task. Yeah, that's a game that I don't think they're going to win. Um, I think that the Seahawks are going to come out extremely motivated to, uh, to win by more than eight points granted, you know, eight points in the NFL is a lot, but I think that they want to put themselves, um, you know, back in the talk of being, you know, the best team in the league. Um, even with that defense, just being able to, you know, be in the conversation that, um, that offense is going to outscore any team they play. I mean, they can do it, obviously, like you mentioned, you from, you know, Metcalf, Lockett, Carson, um, you know, and Russ, I mean, he's got everything he needs. You know, he's got, uh, Greg Greg Olson, he's still huge, and he's still going to make a lot of plays. I mean, um, and, and that Minnesota defense is just struggling right now. I mean, with all the turnover, they got I think two two rookie corners, Holden Hill. I think 
his second or third year player, first year starter. Um, still got Smith and Harris, but I mean, I mean, they've got zero pass rush too, which I mean, when you have a young secondary, you want to rely on that pass rush to kind of help out your young corners, but they're just not getting either of that right now. So I, I don't know. They're in a tough spot. Like I said, they got to win Sunday night or I think their season's over. I would agree with that too. I think um, their secondary, they really miss um, Xavier Rhodes. I mean, he's balling out for the uh, Indianapolis Colts right now, but they for sure miss him. And Everson Griffin too, that was another guy that they lost this offseason to the Dallas Cowboys, and he's struggling right now. I, I know we picked on the Dallas Cowboys defensive line here, but he's really struggling right now with the Cowboys. Yeah. So, yeah, without no pass rush for the Vikings, they're just – there's no way that they will get to Russell Wilson this Sunday. Absolutely. All right, let's get into some uh, game picks for week five coming up. We Our first matchup is the Thursday night game, which actually looks kind of fun, actually. I think this this is probably the best Thursday night game we've seen so far. It's uh, Tom Brady and the Buccaneers going up against uh, Nick Foles and the Chicago Bears. Brady, last time that Brady and – Foles played was in the Super Bowl and Foles won. So uh, can Brady and the Bucks continue their great start? Um, to me, I think that yeah, the answer is yes. Um, I mean, Nick Foles is a great quarterback. Don't get me wrong; um, really good at you know managing games, as we've talked about game managers. You know, he's not going to go out there and throw for four hundred yards and six touchdowns. Um, you know, he's he's really good at keeping his team in it potentially pouncing on opportunities to win, you know, making the most of, uh, of turnovers and, and great field position. But um, I think that, uh, you know, the Bucks are kind of figuring it out. Their defense is getting going a little bit. They might have Godwin back for next week, um, which gives them Mike Evans and Godwin and obviously Gronk and OJ Howard. Um, and even uh, Scotty Miller, your boy from VG. Um, has <laughs> Shout been, out. Let's go, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, he's been uh, – He's been an animal, man. Um, I think that that the Bucks they just ended up coming away with the game uh, pretty handily. I'm not going to say you know 20 points or anything like that. I'm you know, I'd say maybe 10, um, but it's going to be a pretty convincing, um, pretty convincing win. Yeah, I I think I agree with you on that with the Bucks. Um, you you look at these Thursday night games, and you know with the short week and years prior, they typically tend to be sloppy. They're really really low scoring or really really high scoring. And this year, we've had, a, I think, three really, really high-scoring games. I think two went over 40 or over 50 points. And um, I, I just don't see how the Bears can just keep up with the Bucks' offense. Um, their, their offense last week against the Colts was just an absolute disaster. And a lot of that has to do with how good the Colts' defense is. But I mean, I I just don't see how they're able to match the the firepower that the Bucks have, and even with Chicago, like I, I think their defense has been a little bit overrated. Like, if I had to pick one team that's three and one, and they might be the most overrated team, I think it might be the Bears, just because that that, that defense is just it scares me. I mean, it's not as good as it used to be. The monsters of the midway, like two three years ago. So, um, I I think the Bucks handedly win here i'm not going to say by 20 points like you either but i i, I don't think it's going to be very competitive yeah i i agree with both of you guys i do think the bucks take this game uh zach to note you on some of some of those guys that you mentioned i don't think chris godwin is playing this week i think he's going to be 
held out again and OJ Howard actually went on IR. So it's really just going to be Gronk. But um, yeah, I, I think the defense for the Bucks. I think they step up this week and get to Nick Foles. I, and Brady, I think, will just have another great game against the uh, against another weak defense, we'll say. I mean, Bears defense isn't no scrub, but at the same time, like you said, Dante, they just haven't been the same since they were back in like 2018 when they got Cleo Mack. But uh, for the Bears, too, they really need to figure out their quarterback situation because Trubisky obviously isn't the answer, but Nick Foles didn't play the best either against the Colts. Give or take, the Colts had to have a better defense probably than the Bucks, but... Nick, Nick Foles really needs to step up and play better. I mean, I just got to say, uh, I should learn to read my own notes. I literally had it written down that OJ Howard went on IR. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Yeah, well, uh, on that note, um, yeah, I, I mean, either way, I still think the Bucks win. Um, like you said, I don't think that uh, you guys both mentioned about the Bears' defense. Um, I don't think they're that great. I don't think they're anything like they used to be. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I think that they're a team that got a couple of easy wins out of the gate, you know, played a couple of teams that kind of handed them games. There's nothing special. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, next game we're looking at here is going to be the bills and the Titans. We're looking at two unbeatens. Um, we got Josh Allen rolling into town. Um, it's going to be a nice test for him against the Titans, uh, Titans defense, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the unexpected bye week. Um, how prepared are we thinking that the Titans are going to be for this um, absolute wagon coming into town? Josh Allen and Diggs, Singletary. Um, I mean, what do you guys think here? Well, I mean, it's like I said earlier, back when we were talking about talking about the Titans and Steelers coming off that unexpected bye, the Titans haven't practiced in over a week, and they may be practicing tomorrow, so – to play a team coming off an unexpected buy so like the Bills, I, I just don't know how you can win that game. I mean, if they can just feed the ball to Derrick Henry and Jadavion Clowney can get going, they may have a chance. But I think the Bills take this matchup by at least 13 points. Yeah, I I don't see how Tennessee wins this game either. Um I mean, the last, and you think about it, obviously coming off the unexpected buy, but the last time we saw this Titans defense, they got torched by Kirk Cousins and Minnesota. I mean, they gave up a career uh, high in rushing yards to Dalvin Cook. I think he had like 180 yards or something like that. So I, I think Buffalo is, I was a little skeptical on them earlier in the season, but I think they are legit. Um, I'm a big Josh Allen guy. Um, I, I, and I think for him in the league, considering where he started from he's probably one of the most you know he started out the most raw and he's just progressed so well I, I think he's one of the better stories in that aspect in the league and I, I just don't see how they don't keep this train rolling and you know get past these titans like I like you guys said they haven't practiced in almost two weeks now and to play a physical team like Buffalo I just I, I don't think it's a good recipe for success for them I mean, that Buffalo defense, too. Um, it's hard to get an offensive game plan going when you haven't played in two weeks and you expected to have a game. Um, yeah, you got to get Tannehill going. You got to get Henry going, like you said, Ephraim. And you got to get, you know, um, whatever offensive starters you have that weren't out due to COVID. I mean, I know Humphreys is on the COVID IR um, and a couple other guys. But, 
um, it's tough. I mean, the, the Bills boast a really good defense. Um, they have a really, really solid air attack. I mean, we obviously know about Allen. You got Diggs. Um, even Cole Beasley's coming to coming to play. You got John Brown. Um, I mean, Dante knows, and uh, Ephraim, you knew from previous talks that I'm a huge Josh Allen fan. <laughs> um, want nothing more to see than the than I. You know, I want to see this guy succeed. I want to see him him do well. Love to see him just dominate the uh, the AFC East for the next ten years. Yep. Um, you know, the Bills obviously deserve it, um, but also. Allen is such a great quarterback. Um, he's going to keep getting better and better. And I, I do, I do agree. I think it's going to be like a, it's going to be a two score game. You know, I'm thinking maybe, you know, 14 to 14 to 17 points. I think it's just a, a mismatch at this point because of what the Titans had to go through. I mean, does conditioning play a big role in this too? I mean, like I said, you know, you're playing a physical team in Buffalo and for the Titans, you haven't practiced or, you know, remotely probably worked out. Like you would plus some of the guys starting or practice squad guys, and they haven't really been taking those first second team snaps and practice. Exactly. I mean, I could I could easily see the Titans just being worn out by halftime in this game. Oh yeah, without question. I the I just don't think the Titans will be physically or mentally prepared for this game, so that's why I don't think they'll win this game. Uh, Anyway, our next matchup is the Raiders and the Chiefs. Now the Raiders. you know, they haven't been playing too bad. They had that major win against the Saints a few weeks ago, and they, they've they been playing pretty well against the, the past couple weeks against the uh, Patriots and uh, last Sunday, the uh, Bills. So could, could the Raiders pull off an upset here against the defending champs? I, I think they can, but I don't think they will. Um, I'm not a big Derek Carr guy, and I think – the Raiders rely a lot on him playing well in consecutive games, and I just don't think he's capable of doing that. And so far this season, he really hasn't been capable of doing that. He's missed a lot of wide open guys, you know, air mailing them. And um, he just, I don't know, he breaks down under pressure too easy. I mean, I'll give it to him. He's got guts. You know, he's an awesome leader. I can tell obviously nothing bad about his character, but I just don't think he has the ability to carry this team like they need him to. And then, for the Chiefs, I'll say this. Obviously, we knew that no lead is safe with the Chiefs. you got to be in aggressive mode all the time. But this season, they've looked vulnerable. And I think pretty much every game so far, except for the first game against Houston. And it's just, it, it's more, to me, I'm becoming more of a believer in this team just based off the fact that they're finding ways to win, even though they're not playing their best. Where, you know, last season... They just relied on their explosive offense to bail them out. But now they're kind of starting to play better defense. Uh, Pat Mahomes isn't exactly just sending it 50 yards downfield every play. He's taking check downs now. They're running the ball with Edwards Hilaire, who's been fantastic for them so far. They're finding different ways to win football games. And to me, I, th- I think that's scary and should be scary for the rest of the league. So I'll take the Chiefs here. Andy Reid's got it going, baby. Andy Reid. I mean... You got to give him credit. He's he's been around coaching for two decades, and you know, he's adapted with the change of the game. You figure when he started, the game was a a very run heavy. It was a very run heavy league. Uh, it became a pass heavy league, and now it's a very you know balanced league. You have you know teams that run a lot, teams that throw a lot, and it changes on a weekly basis. It depends on your opponent. 
Um, I think that the Chiefs here, you know, like you said, Dante was actually thinking while you were talking, uh, Mahomes isn't going to throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns this year. He's not going to win the MVP award. Um, we know that there's two guys who are probably going to be one and two, um, and he's not one. Uh, he'll probably be third or fourth based on popular vote, but um, numbers for that that offense are going to be down in terms of you know mass touchdowns, you know thousand yard receivers. But the defense is playing well, um, which is something they were missing last year in the regular season a little bit. Um, I think that getting this running game going is making a huge difference, and it's going to help uh, you know Mahomes and his health. Um, I don't know. I think that I think that they win this game. I think the the Raiders give them a good game, but I, I don't think that uh, Gruden and Derek Carr can can bring enough. You know, Josh Jacobs is going to have a, a busy day until the Raiders get down by two touchdowns, and then he's going to be pretty much invisible. <laughs> they they got to find a way to get him going, both for their sake and for my fantasy team sake. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that for sure. <laughs> I mean, he's they, that's no clearly their most explosive playmaker there on that team. They they got to find a way. To, I mean, in that offensive line, to their you know defense has been kind of decimated with injuries. I I know Trent Brown's out. I think Incognito's been out too for a couple of weeks now too. So they got to find a way to get him going. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think um like you guys pointed out, I think what the chiefs need to do is just run the ball with Edwards Hilaire. I mean, he's pretty much, I think the key center part of that offense next to Patrick Mahomes, obviously, but yeah, you guys are right. Patrick Mahomes isn't playing lights out football. He's still playing well. And I expect him to, you know, keep doing himself, throwing the ball down the field, making those no look throws. But, um, Going to the Raiders here too. I, I think uh, their defense is no scrub. I think their defense is just a is, is a tad better than what it was in previous years. But um, going up against Patrick Mahomes in that offense, I think it's going to be a real test for them. I think Derek Carr will play well against the Chiefs' defense, but Tyron Matthew and their other pass rushers they'll have a good day. I, I don't think the Raiders win this game. I think the Chiefs win this game, but in a close one, the Raiders will pull up, put out a fight. But in the end, the Chiefs win this by at least ten points. I think. And to, to touch on the Raiders' defense, like I, I totally agree with you. They're no slouch. They they're solid. You know, they you can see watching the games that they work as an eleven man unit. I just think personally that they're missing too many playmakers on that side of the ball. Oh yeah, no, no, no question there. I, I like um. Damon Arnett is no scrub. I, I've I've watched him at Ohio State. He he's a good cornerback, but he's not at the corner. He's not at the cornerback level like Jalen Ramsey or Stephon or um, excuse me, uh, Trayvon Trayvon White. So yeah, they just they just need someone on that defense to make a play when they're not expected to. You know. Yeah, no, exactly, and it really hurts when John Gruden traded away their best pass rusher a few years ago. But yeah. <laughs> Anyway, moving on to the next game. You want me to take it? Um, yeah, go ahead. Well, we got the next game is the Eagles and the Steelers. Uh, the Eagles are going to look to continue their momentum from last week and uh, maybe keep their lead in the uh, the NFC East. Or do you think the Steelers are just going to come out of the bye and, and keep rolling? I mean, they're getting Deontay Johnson back. Um, they just said he came out of protocol and he's going to be good to go. Um 
I don't know. I, I the, it's up to you guys first. I'll take this one last. Dante, you can you you can start, man. Um. Well, certainly coming into the season, we thought this game would be a marquee matchup, right? <laughs> I mean, but with obviously the Steelers starting great, the Eagles not starting so great. I think they were due. The, well, the Eagles. I think the Eagles were due for a win last week against the 49ers, but. Uh, it's tough, especially with that Steelers, you know, the front seven, the defense as a whole. Um, I, I just don't see how Philadelphia is able to get anything going. I mean, especially if their top receivers are still out this week. I'm not sure if they are or not. But if if Greg Ward's the number one wide receiver going into the Steelers game, I just don't see how they can win that. Um, Miles Sanders has been struggling much again to the dismay of my fantasy team, but um, I, I don't think he's going to get going either against the Steelers defense with that def- offensive line being decimated by injuries too. Uh, the Steelers offense also is just, I mean, it's not like it's the 40, like you're not playing Nick Mullins this week. It's, it's Ben Roethlisberger, uh, James Conner, Juju Smith-Schuster. Like, you know, it's a legit offense. It's not, I mean, not that the 49ers offense isn't legit, but it's been, like I said, it's Ben Roethlisberger, not Nick Mullins. So, I think this game might be a little bit closer than people think, but I I just don't see how the Steelers end up on the ba- other side of this. I, I think they win. The one thing that I like about this matchup better than what it, than going into like last Sunday is that the fact that the Eagles actually have a win. Right. So like if they if they were coming into this game winless, still it worries me a lot because. They be they're hungry for a win now. Thankfully that they got that win, they're starting to build up momentum and confidence. But you're going up against probably the best defense in the National Football League in the Steelers. And yeah, to your point, that offensive line of the Eagles, Jason Peters is on IR right now. So T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree should have a big game against Carson Wentz in that offense. And Joe, Joe Hayden and Steven Nelson, they, they should, there, there's no question that they should shut down their scrub wide receivers. Basically. I don't mean, I don't mean to be disrespectful to them, but I mean, come on, like they don't have a, they don't have a number one wide receiver right now. I mean, their number one wide receiver is a converted college quarterback. So I mean, <laughs> exactly. And then, yeah, going to the offense too, is that, yeah, I, the thing I, le- I love about this offense is that Ben Roethlisberger doesn't need to force the ball to anybody. He's spreading it around to Juju, Deontay Johnson, James Conner, Eric Ebron, all those guys. And James Conner, I think, should have a big day too. Um, But this is very – if we know the Steelers, and I know all of us do, this could very easily be a trap game for them. Yep. So um, I'm still taking them. The, uh, I'm still taking them without, without a doubt. But I, I agree with you, Dante. I think this game ends up being a lot closer than people might think it will be. So I think the Steelers win this matchup, but it'll probably be like 10 or 13 points. And another thing, too, with this game, I think if the Eagles lose last week, I think we see you know a very desperate balls-to-the-wall kind of team this week, especially if they fall, what would, what would they be, 0-3-1? Oh, um but especially in that division right now, what are they? They're in first place, right? Yep, they're in first place right now. <laughs> one, two, two, and one, they're one. in first place. I think that they're able to come in this game a little bit lax, which I, I mean, I don't know if that's going to benefit them or not. 
but I, I just feel like last week picking up a win kind of changes their mindset heading into this one. Whereas if they lose to the 49ers last week, this is a must win for them. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I mean, you guys have pretty much hit everything, uh, you know, solid. Um, ben has everything he needs right now. Uh, he's got Connor running downhill, um, finally looking like he's, you know, back into his form from a couple of years back. Um, he's got Juju back. Juju's got Ben back, which is a big deal. Um, he's got Ebron. He's got Claypool. Two absolute units that <laughs> just outsize everybody else in that in the secondary. Um, you know, it's it's impossible to cover a guy that's six four and runs a four four forty. I mean, <laughs> tell me, tell me your name of all places. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, I mean, uh, since Megatron, there's not been anybody like that. I mean, Gilmore's what six two. Stephon yeah, I mean, it, there's there's no corners that have the height, the size. I mean, he's six four, like two thirty, and he runs four four. I mean, that's like guy. a freight train. That that's insane. Um, but I think defensively, the Steelers this week. I think I think you're right. Uh, the the Watt and Dupree are going to have a big game. Um, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a prediction out. I think Minka gets in a gets into one. I think he picks him. I think he picks off Wentz once. Maybe forces a fumble somewhere. Um, we see a big game like he was bringing last year. Um, I like that. Get, get him involved because so far he's been quiet this season. Well, think about it. Would you rather your safety's name be coming up a lot or a little? I mean, a little. I mean, yeah, yeah. Because like, yeah, no one's yeah, no no one's throwing his way, which is smart. But mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we, we all want the we all want Mika to get be like last year, and he is still playing like last year, but obviously just not turn getting the turnovers that he is because yeah. That they're not throwing them the ball. Well, and the difference too is the pass rush is getting to quarterbacks. The ball's just not getting downfield. Right. Passes aren't going past the sticks. You know, a lot of the time it's it's either screen passes or just check downs, you know, kind of little dump offs right outside the uh, line of scrimmage. But um, I have a feeling he gets going. Uh, it's a good game to get him going, especially leading into uh, what they got coming up the next six weeks or so. Um, we have all talked about their next seven games counting this week. Um, looking at uh, the Eagles this week, the Browns following, the Titans, Ravens, Cowboys, Bengals, and Jags. Uh, all of us talked a little bit earlier. Uh, we think that it could be either a 6-1 and one or a 5-2 and two stretch, and the Titans and Cowboys being the, uh, the trap games. Um, if you get Minka going, uh, the way Hayden's playing, Nelson's given up some touchdowns, which didn't happen last year. Um, you're bound to regress to the norm. Um, but if you keep Minka going... I mean, you can really, you can feasibly see six and one out of that that next seven games. Yeah, but and yeah, I, just I, I'm just gonna say like let, let's not jump ahead here and like look at the schedule ahead. Like we, we got to focus on the Eagles right here first. So. Yeah, I agree with oh, that. That, that. That's I'm exactly gonna play into my point too. I mean, yeah, um, kind of playing into the trap game narrative. Like, do you guys think that having this? You know, uh, surprise by, if you will. Like, do, do you think that they're going to come out slow, or do you think they're going to start fast? It's the Steelers; they always start slow. Yeah, <laughs> it, that, yeah, that's very true. <laughs> <laughs> and and I think if you're the Steelers, like you mentioned, the stretch coming up for them, I I, I think in a sense this might be a must-win game for them. Because I mean, not not a must-win, but it's something that they would love to have in their back pocket heading into the stretch where they got to go to Tennessee, then Dallas and Baltimore. So I, I think this is an important game for them too, and they should take it as such. 
Actually, yeah, no, to add on to that, um, obviously with the stretch, you got two division games after after this week, the Browns and the Ravens. So I think this is this is definitely a must win for the Steelers. Just, you know, stay ahead of the Browns and the Ravens who are currently sitting at three and one. But yeah, I think with the two division games coming up, this for sure is a must win for the Steelers. Definitely. If not must win, it's definitely just important. And uh, I mean, I didn't mean to get ahead of anything, just kind of highlighting the importance of getting Minka going. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but then anyways, one of the last games we're looking at, the uh, second to last, going to be the Colts and Browns. Um, this is going to be a real test for the Colts run defense, but also to see um, how the Browns stand up against a team that is potentially going to be a playoff team. Uh, the team that you know we all pretty much would agree should win the AFC South based on experience and the players that they have as well as the defense. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And we'll have to see what how the Browns perform without Nick Chubb because, yeah, he's out for at least the next, we'll say, three to six weeks. So I think that'll hurt the Browns a little bit, but they still got Kareem Hunt. And what was the other guy's name again? I forget. Uh, the one D- Johnson or something like that. Dear, I, think. I think it's Dearness Johnson. Dearness, that's Dearness a- Johnson. Yeah, I mean, he 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 had a pretty good game too on a Sunday. But this is definitely one of the real tests for the Browns to see if they are for real or not because they're going up against the Colts, who are also three and one. So it's tough. Like this is a tough matchup, but I think I like I like the Colts in this matchup just because of the veteran experience at quarterback in Phillip Rivers. I think the defense stops the stops their run game a little bit, which will make Baker have to throw the ball a lot. And when Baker throws the ball a lot, they just don't win. And when he's staying in the pocket and not a, when he's staying in the pocket and not escaping the pocket, it, it's just a real struggle for him. So I I like the Colts in this matchup. Yeah, and you know, going back to an earlier point, you know, where we asked, you know, are the Browns for real? I I think we're gonna find out this week, if anything. You know, this might be their first test to answer that question. Um, I think the defense is ultimately is what's gonna decide this game. Obviously, the Colts' defense is elite. The Browns' defense is questionable, like we've said. Um, but with that Colts, with the offensive line that they have in they're missing a couple weapons on the perimeter, but you know Jonathan Taylor, Philip Rivers, like you said, the veteran experience. I think that they're going to be able to hold this Cleveland offense. It's, it's going to be it's going to be very uh, interesting to see how Cleveland does against this Colts run defense. I think, and that's ultimately the matchup that's going to matter the most in the end here. Um, I just think the Colts are able to, to stuff the Browns this week. Um, especially with Nick Chubb out and Kareem Hunt kind of getting used to being the number one guy again. And then I, I think they just, you know, just run the rest of the clock out and, you know, chew it. So um, I'm going to take the Colts in a, in a nail biter, probably, you know, 24, 14. I think it's gonna be very low scoring. Uh, I'm actually going to go the opposite way. I'm going to take the Browns. It uh, kind of contradicts, <laughs> it contradicts some of what I was saying before. Um, but I don't know. I think that uh, I think that Kareem Hunt's still a, a good enough running back to replace some of what they lose in Chubb. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Chubb ran for you know like, what fi- like fourteen hundred yards last year. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt's another guy. You know, coming off a couple of years back, 
was one of the most dynamic running backs in the league. Um, I mean, if you think about it, he was a guy that uh, he ran for, let me see here, just pulling it up. Uh, he ran for 1,300 yards, eight touchdowns, he had 53 receptions for another 500 yards, you know, almost 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Um, I mean, he's a guy that's been there and done it. Um, I think that they keep him going. I think OBJ stays in the game. Uh, Landry's going to have a pretty solid game as well. I think Baker gets off the schneid here and uh, and puts together a really solid performance. And you know, weird to say the Browns at four and one, but Browns four and one. I think it's definitely possible, but I mean, I don't know. I just don't trust the Browns' defense right now. Like like Dante said, they're very questionable. And Miles Garrett is going up against a very good offensive line uh, with a uh, Quentin Nelson leading that way. So I, 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 I agree. I, I think the Browns can definitely go to four and one, but I don't know. It's definitely going to be a nail biter. I think it'll come down to a field goal. I think it'll probably be like 17 to 20 or something like that. Yeah, I can get on board with that. I think that's a pretty fair, um, a pretty fair prediction. I mean, the Colts, Manhandled the Jets. They manhandled the the uh, the Vikings. They lost by seven to Jacksonville and beat the they beat the uh, the Bears by eight. Um, you know they're beating teams that they should beat minus Jacksonville, but Jacksonville is not as bad as a lot of people think. Um, yeah, I mean we're all kind of agreeing on everything. Can't hurt to throw a little upset pick in there too. Yeah, I mean, and I think I think it's going to be a really low scoring game, like I said, but it's going to be one of those games where I, I think it's going to be near to almost tied through three quarters. And then you're just going to see the team pull away in the fourth. So I, I think that's what the Colts are going to do. I think they're just going to eventually wear the Browns defense out. I agree. I, I can, yeah, I can agree with that too. I so, think it will be close for three quarters and then one or one or the other is going to just pull away. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyway, let's get into our last game of the week here. Uh this is a see. This is a snoozer, but at the same time, this is like a good matchup because it, it's the Giants and the Cowboys, and both of these teams with their records, the Giants being zero and four, and the Cowboys being one and three, still have a chance to win the NFC East. So, so yeah, I mean. Who do you guys got? Because like this is by far a snoozer, but the winner can still have a chance. I mean, yeah, to exactly. me, to me, the Eagles are one, two, and one. The Redskins and the Cowboys are one and three. The Giants are zero and four. If every team in that division but the Giants loses, the Giants move into second place in the division at one and four. <laughs> <laughs> one and four. Oh man! You'd have the Eagles at one, three, and one. <laughs> and three teams at one and four. So bad. Has that? I mean, we could look it up another time and talk about it next week once we see what happens. But like, if that happens, we always have to figure out when the last time it was that there were three teams one and four, and a team that had the lead in the division with only one win. It's crazy. I mean, like that's that's, that's ridiculous to me. I mean, that's so bad. But. I don't know. I think in terms of who wins this game, I, I think the Giants are just far too decimated by injuries to have a chance. I mean, with Saquon, they're missing half of their wide receiving core. Um, Daniel Jones is a good quarterback, don't get me wrong, but it's it's hard to overcome losing you know every weapon that you have as well as having next to no defense. Um, the Cowboys don't really have much of a defense, but it's not – they're not facing Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. You know, they're not 
they're not dealing with top end running backs. I mean, Devonta Freeman is still a solid running back, but he also didn't play for three weeks. Um, and he wasn't on a team until the end of week two. So we go back to the conditioning point. We go back to uh, the game shape point. It just doesn't make sense to me um, how the Giants could even win this game. Uh, I think that the Cowboys are just – this is going to be the one game of the week that I think the winner wins by 30 points. Whew. I am going to disagree with you on that one. I think the Giants win this game. And we saw it last week. Obviously, their defense is decimated by injuries. But they held an explosive Rams offense to 17 points and had a chance to win the game at the end. They are a tough, gritty, grind-em-out kind of football team. And that's exactly what Joe Judge wanted to bring, you know, the style. He said he wanted it to be like a New York football team. He wanted them to have that attitude. And I see a team that... Is close, but they're they are slowly gaining the identity of their head coach. And teams like that can be dangerous, especially the teams like the Cowboys, who have a ton of talent, but might be a little bit weaker mentally and just don't seem to be able to put it together whenever things matter the most. You could say the same thing for the Giants up until this season, but I, I think the Giants stun the Cowboys with the upset in this game. I don't know. I mean, just a week ago, Nick Mullins and the San Francisco 49ers that lost, you know, their their Bosa brother, they lost Garoppolo, they lost their starting wide receivers, they didn't have Kittle, they lost their starting running back in Mostert. They beat them 36 to 9. I mean, granted that was Freeman's first game, but they also had Wayne Gallman who's been playing, Deion Lewis have been playing. They still had Slayton and Golden Tate and Evan Ingram and combined those guys hit 109 11 yards um i don't know it's all it all comes down to mistakes for me um and i think the giants are just gonna make far too many and i'm sorry but if you're gonna lose by nearly 30 points to nick mullins it's hard to think that you wouldn't lose by 30 points to zeke elliott and you know you got cd lamb amari cooper cedric wilson uh michael gallup you know and dak prescott so I don't know. I mean, I can, I can definitely say that the Giants are a gritty team, but I don't know, man. Nick Mullins is is not Dak Prescott, and Dak Prescott is on a different level right now in terms of uh, you know putting up points. No, I, I I see your point, and I would counter with this: if you had to pick, you know, you said the Forty ers example, I would consider that different in this situation just because it's the Cowboys. So looking at the 49ers coaching staff, Kyle Shanahan, you know, he obviously has his downfalls blowing leads in the Super Bowls. We know that, but you know, he is, Ouch. <laughs> I, I have the utmost faith in him to, to get a creative game plan in place coming up to this game. You know, like he's the guy that I I would trust him way more than what's going on in Dallas right now. I just think Dallas just, especially you, the coaching staff and the defense. I just don't think they have a clue as to what how to fix it right now. You don't and trust I think, Mike McCarthy, a Super Bowl winning head coach, over Kyle Shanahan and blew twenty eight to three lead. I, 
right now i'm, it's I'm sorry but <laughs> it's, it's tough right now man i mean that was that was a long time ago too i mean well, these oh, are yeah. just two really bad teams right now oh definitely but so like if you had to pick right now i would pick kyle shanahan over mike mccarthy that's well, that's what i was getting at yeah his style of game plus he has a roster that he's been working with for a few years now Plus, I, I don't know if mike mccarthy in dallas was a good fit to begin with and that's Here's jerry jones grasping at straws and that's that's a problem for them, and and like I said, I I just think they're too chaotic right now. They they really don't know how to fix it. They're kind of hanging on for dear life here. I and I think the Giants present a dangerous team that could come in there and steal one from them. I think I, I think you guys do make some good points there, but I have to go with Zach on this one just because if you look at the past few weeks, Dallas has put up points on the offense. Now, obviously. They put up points being in the second half, mainly the fourth quarter, because they're down by, I don't know what, 30, 30 some points. <laughs> <laughs> they're putting up that many points when they actually need to, but it's like at the wrong time. But um, I, I think Dak and Zeke have a big game. This have a big game through the air and through the ground. I, I just, I just like Dallas in this matchup. I, both defenses are going to struggle. I do think that, uh, Slayton's going to have a good game. Maybe Freeman's going to have a good game too. It, it, it'll be a shootout. I, I expect this game to be a shootout, but at the end, I think Dak and the boys get it done. No, I mean, uh, I, I think that there's good, good arguments for both sides. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Dante's right, but also I'd be a little surprised. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be the biggest surprise in the world, but it definitely wouldn't be something I would, I would look, I would expect, um, going into this week. Um, but I mean, anything can happen. It's the NFL. We've seen a lot of that this year. Um, but yeah, that, you know what? I'm, I, I'm, th- I'm throwing this out there. Tie. It's going to end in a tie. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. We'll have three ties in the NFC. <laughs> are we, are we going to go there? We'd have, we'd have freaking one, three and one, so, one, three and one and one or oh, four and one. So then Dallas would be in first place in that division. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. If the Eagles lose to the Steelers. Yeah. <laughs> That's pathetic. And and the scary thing is too, or the more funny thing is too, the Giants would still have a chance to win that division. <laughs> They'd be a game out. <laughs> they really would they are. That's absurd. I that's just I don't know. Whatever, dude. The NFL, the NFC is a joke. <laughs> um, but uh, that brings us to the end of what we had on tap for today uh, it's the end of the third episode here um, any last minute notes you guys want to add before uh, before I wrap it up the NFC East is bad and uh, go Steelers that's all I'm going to add <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be interesting here over the next couple of days to see if we figure out where Matt Murray ends up that's that's the storyline I'm looking for here coming up. Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, a lot of NHL fans, a lot of Pittsburgh uh, Penguin fans are looking at. Um, it's going to be intriguing to see what the return is if uh, if he elects to go to arbitration or if we can end up just outright trading him. Um, it certainly is a is a storyline that we need to keep our eyes on. Um, yeah, we have our Twitter. Uh, if you guys want to head over and give it a follow, simple uh, simple handle is just red capital z power capital p um for the name of the podcast 
Um, we promise we will get a logo for the <laughs> for the podcast soon. Yeah, we we, we got to work on that. It's in, <laughs> it's in progress. We're kind of we're getting something figured out. But uh, any big news that comes out, uh, we'll make sure to tweet it out, get it out there for you guys. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's the end of episode three, and uh, it was uh, it was good having you on, Dante. And we'll see you. About- yeah, Dante, it was good to talk to you, man. No, man, thanks for having me, guys. It's great that you guys started this thing up, and I'm looking forward to see where it goes for you. Yeah, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll have you on you know, a few more times, if not just become a regular occurrence. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. hopefully will be back on here soon. I had a good time with you guys. Thanks again for having me. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, oh, yeah, you will for sure be back. You will for sure be back. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk this week, and uh, yeah, if it becomes regular, I wouldn't complain about it. Yeah, I wouldn't either, so. All right. Well, that's the end of the that's the end of the episode here and uh we'll catch you guys next week. All right, see you guys see, see you guys. guys.